coming back from that, recovering from that, and really realizing that I wasn't all those things that they said I was, and that I really could go on without them. I didn't, I didn't need them. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third-generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Hello, and welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs. This is the show where I interview business owners, entrepreneurs, and influencers in East Idaho and learn their stories of how they've overcome obstacles and achieved their dreams. Today we get to hear from a local influencer who has overcome the odds in her chosen field of work and who has given back to her community and, 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 and we're going to hear all about that. So welcome, Crystal Chanda. Hi, thank you for having me. Crystal, tell me about your career and your current role at A&E Engineering. Tell me about what this is. What's A&E what's Engineering? So A&E Engineering does surveying and engineering. We have to throw in that surveying because it can be deceptive not having sur uh, engineering. Surveying in the name with engineering. Okay, got it. Um, so we do mechanical, civil, structural engineering. We do it for uh, brand new structures. We do it for existing structures. Um, and we mostly specialize in industrial. They like to add new equipment into older buildings and we help them see how they can ret retrofit that building so that um, it will it's be stable enough. And, yep. uh -huh. um, and we also uh, work on a little bit of um, site plans if you need that. Um, we really work a lot with if there's um, a disaster or damage, whether it be wind, hailstorm, or you're seeing some settlements. We can come in and do an investigation and let you know what you need to do to make sure that things are st uh, stable. Um, our survey crew is um, very good at construction staking, um, topographic maps, record of surveys, property lines, um, and helping you with any of those needs that you would need. Okay, so when I went, when, when my husband and I were building our second location, we had to have it engineered. Um, and so it like the, no, like the property had to be surveyed. And, and so that's what you do. Yes. One of the things that you one do. Of the, and one all of, of those things. We could help you with that, yes. <laughs> because I'm trying to realize, that, like, what does this actually mean? Give me an idea of some of the projects that you guys have done. Um, so we do a lot of work with um, the fertilizer industry, food production industry um, in southeast Idaho. We also um, branch out to um, several of the surrounding states that we're licensed in as well. Um, we'll go where you need us. And um, I think we've been, we have, people know that we specialize in certain things. And so when something is, is particularly challenging, they will call us and say, hey, we're having this problem. Can you help us with this? Um, and it's just awesome that A&E has the experience and the expertise that we're usually able to say, yes, we can. And right now you're a partner in A&E. I'm a partner in A&E. We have three owners. Um, and five years ago, I became a partner. And um, some challenges you don't think of um, when you're going into engineering school that, you know, some things, lots of learning to do, but I'm loving it. It's a great company. Yeah, that's awesome. So is that some place that you saw yourself being? Is that what you wanted when you started? I, there are probably not a lot of 
female engineers, or maybe I'm just, you know, thinking stereotypical kind of thoughts, but talk to me a little bit about being a woman in this industry and what brought you around to this? So um, I'll start way back because okay. I'm a talker. Good. Um, so I actually um, got married and had babies when I was very, very young and um, found myself in a very abusive relationship with domestic violence. Um, and there came a point that um, I realized I wasn't the only victim, that my children were victims as well, and I needed to make a change for them. And so um, I got out of it and was like, I want to be able to provide for my children. I don't want them to have to ever ask for anything. Um, I don't want them to have to have um, any struggles because they're being raised by a single mom. So my first option was I need to go back to school. Uh, I went to the Center for New Directions um, and I took a test. I like to call it an aptitude test because it makes me smell, sound smart, but that's not what it was. It was just <laughs> interests. Um, but the top five were all engineering. So was I that went a surprise and, to you? Um, I always excelled at math and science. So um, those were, and I think I excelled because I liked it. Uh -huh. And so it wasn't really that surprising. But at the same time, there's a little bit of what is engineering? Do they drive trains? Um, so I went down and um, spoke to an advisor. We went through the different roles, um, different types of engineers that there are. Um, and I started saying, okay, I want to be maybe this kind, maybe this kind, but I wasn't sure. Um, and so, but so once, that's, once she explained to you what an engineer was, you were like, oh, no, I get this. This feels like something that I want to do. Definitely. So my dad's a contractor, and I grew up around um, and visiting projects that he was working on. Yeah. Um, doing the concrete on Simplot Square or remodel on Red Lobster or the wall up at ISU. Um, it's pretty funny to drive around um, town now because there's – we're always driving by a project that either one of us has worked on yeah, as an engineer so or as a cool. contractor. What great roots in Pocatello. Right, right. Yeah. So to see to see that, I was like, oh, definitely, this is something with, uh -huh. that I want to do. Uh -huh. um, and then Did I... Did you realize that there was all this math behind it? Like that there had been an engineer that kind of made this possible? I think it's so long ago that I don't know. Don't what know. Uh -huh. was and it wasn't your focus at that time. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, the math was, um, that was, it, it, it's, it's challenging. There's studying. There's, you know what I mean? But it was the fun part and I wanted yeah. to learn it as well. So yeah. it wasn't, it didn't deter me at all. Yeah. Um, but I think that what did surprise me is, to walk into a classroom and be the only female in the classroom. Did that happen? Oh yeah, several. Wow. Um, and to um, be the only female graduating and walking across the stage with, with the class. Um, May I ask when was it then that you graduated? I got my bachelor's in 2007 and then went back and got my master's in 2012. So it's not like we were talking the 80s or anything. This is, you know, like pretty fairly recent yeah. that you would have maybe expected more women like in the field. I would like to say that I was still in grade school in the 80s. Let's just <laughs> clarify. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. But you know, you had you had your little family and then you went back to school. Yeah, so. I went back to school as a yeah. single mother, um, which is challenging, but I do have to say um, my parents were very, very helpful. Um, they were great about 
one of the kids is sick, you can't miss class, I'll come sit with them while you go to class. And the professors, um, you know, you see all these stories these days about professors holding babies in the class. And to me, it's nothing new. Mine weren't babies, but they were coloring in the desk next to me in some of my classes because that's the choices that I had. Or yeah. they were with me during um, office hours visiting the professor because that's the only choice I had. And they never even thought twice about it. So I tons they wanted of to support. see you succeed. And yeah, that's yeah. great. So cool. So talk to me about being one of the only females as you're going to school and you're coming into these classes, did that feel, did they welcome you or was it kind of like, what are you doing in here? So I have to say with a few distinct people who think I, that females don't belong in the engineering um, field, I've seen so much support. Um, and uh, my favorite story to tell is, um, one of the first jobs that I worked on was the Chubbuck Sewer Interceptor, the huge project that they did. It was a great learning experience for me because I got to go from the design stage, the calculation stage, and then got to see it actually go out in the field. Yeah. Um, and I was working a Saturday um, doing some construction supervision to make sure the contractors were meeting our specifications. And... Um, he was a farmer, older gentleman, came out of his house because we're going past his house. And I automatically thought, he's going to be angry. We are blocking his driveway. This is causing a hassle for him. I'm the one that has to deal with this. And he just wanted to chit chat, wanted to know what my role was. And when I told him that um, I was one of the engineers on the project, he said, well, congratulations. Um, and that's just stuck with me because it was like a... He was a stranger, but he still said, good job. Yeah, right. Um, so for the most part, I get um, good reactions. I think the funniest thing is that there is a stereotype, and it goes both ways, um, men and women. But uh, where do you work? I work at A&E Engineering. Oh, are you the secretary? It's uh, <laughs> They don't mean it negative. It's just where it goes, and I can't say that I'm not guilty of doing the same thing at, sure, same, sure. at the same time. Um, but one thing I would like to do is just get past those stereotypes because I think those are some of the things that inhibit girls from going into those fields because they think they can't do it because other people think it's not natural or normal. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, what a great example you are for what oh, you have you. accomplished. And when you started your engineering career then, did you get the bug to be in a leadership position? Did you feel like, I want to own uh, engineering company like wh how did it get you to be a partner in this business so I think it kind of came naturally um, because one I'm a control freak and <laughs> two I'm bossy okay um, which um, I would just like to say are not positive leadership skills <laughs> and I'm learning I like to say bossy is more assertive you know you're assertive <laughs> you, you know what you want and you help people right. get you there <laughs> um, I would like to say that I'm moving from bossive to more assertive okay um, Lots of learning. I think with, with engineering, leadership has to come because you're managing the projects, you're making sure the designers and drafters are um, following codes, and that you're able to, you're the one communicating with the client and making sure that you let them know that we want to meet your needs, but there are certain ways that we have to do it. So I think it kind of comes naturally. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I ever thought about being an owner of an engineering firm. Yeah. Um, 
with that. And I don't know when I accepted to, to do that. I don't know that I thought it clear through about what all my roles and responsibilities would be. Tell me about that. So, you, um, because you probably took on just not only engineering stuff, and now you have HR and you have risk management, you have all these finances. Other yeah. I never thought I would be reconciling bank accounts, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so just the opportunity to learn more. And I love learning. It's something that um, I think I will hopefully do the the rest of my life. And so I am learning a lot of a lot of that. Um, HR, um, hiring, firing, job interviews, very, yeah. very difficult. Yes. Um, not necessarily always the fun part. The finances, um, looking at prof profits and losses and knowing what they mean exactly. Um, and, and I just have to say that I, I have the other... The other owners I look to as mentors because they're very knowledgeable and are teaching me lots and um, being very patient with taking me through it and letting me learn things. Are there other female owners in they're this? They're not. They're, okay. um, we have two other females who work here, our office manager and an environmental specialist um, and a senior drafter. Um, who's awesome and very knowledgeable as well. Um, and then the rest are men. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, and we're small, there's just 10 of us, but, um, so. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a nurse by trade. So, uh, m a lot of my early career was primarily females were nurses, you know, and the males were doctors. And that was kind of this gender role thing. Um, and that's definitely changed as, as we have progressed and we definitely have female doctors and male nurses and it's a wonderful kind of thing but it took a while to make that shift and like you said people still see unfortunately you know some of our guys that say that they're nurses um you know people are like huh you're, you're a nurse like, well yeah and they're dang good and i'm so grateful that i got to work with so many of these wonderful nurses so i can appreciate that and i think um I think it's happening. I think it's not happening fast enough as I would like it to happen. Um, that people are, are saying, oh yeah, anybody can do anything. Um, I mean, I we tell kids from the very beginning, you can be anything that you wanna be, but then our actions don't always show that. So I would really love to help that our actions show you really can be anything that you wanna be. And, um, and that the education is, is out there that um, just because you hear nurse or you hear engineer, you don't expect a man or woman to walk in, right. in, in the door because of that. So what do you think it is? Obviously, um, you're right. I think the attitude is, gosh, I can do anything. But when you say that our actions are not congruent with that, what are we, what are we telling girls or what are we showing girls that helps them believe that they're not smart at math? I mean, you hear that. You right. hear that from... Females saying, oh, I don't, I'm not really good at math. That's a guy thing. What's happening? So um, I don't specialize in this. I've never done any detailed research in this. Um, my knowledge is based on experience um, of my own and working um, with girls in my STEM outreach stuff. But I think it really starts with the toys that we give our children. Um, and I'm not talking necessarily blue or pink, but... Um, Legos have always been for boys. Legos are a very spatial activity and learning those spatial skills helps you when you start to learn math, when you start to learn these kinds of things. So we need, 
um, to be giving girls these we the opportunity to play these same games that build those spatial skills, uh -huh. and that's just one example. Mm -hmm. um, so that um, they realize that um, from the very beginning that. Legos aren't just for boys, Tetris isn't just for boys, that they can play it well and realize that it is actually teaching them something. Right. You know? Well, and I think oftentimes, I know in my own experience, I um, told myself I wasn't good at math. And so I didn't really ever try. Well, well, let's be realistic. I wasn't good at anything. You know, like you, you aren't good at walking when you're a toddler, but you figure it out. And I think that's the same approach we need to take with our children. It's like, yeah, you aren't good at it. And so work really hard and let's see, you know, what your aptitude is with this and then work and it will grow. And um, so I think sometimes we give up too quickly on looking for these natural talents or, you know, what we're drawn to when it, you know, sometimes you just got to work your butt off. Right. So, um, and this is something I um, have said on panels talking to teacher about encouraging STEM and um, even talk to, to students about it, um, especially um, students who are just coming, freshmen in engineering fields or even high schoolers that are thinking of it. Um, and one thing that I really, really hate and I don't like is when people tell somebody something is easy. Um, so, and teachers can be explaining a math problem to a student and they can say, you can do it, it's really, really easy. Well, of course it's easy for the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> They've been teaching it for several years. Yeah, they get it. Um, but it isn't easy for the student. And so when you tell the student it isn't easy, it's making them feel like they're dumb and they're not capable and they're yeah. not good at it. Yeah. So teachers need to start saying, I know it's hard, but I know you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, parents need to start saying, I know it's hard, but I know you can figure it out. Parents who struggle with, at... Um, math the same way and I'll throw spelling in there because I'm a horrible speller. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, I won the spelling bee in second grade and I joke that that's where my spelling skills stopped is then. I had, You're like, I'm I, a rock I won, star. I'm done. Here we are. <laughs> um, but don't quit saying it's easy. Say, oh, I know it's hard, but guess what? I know where to find the answer and that's what counts. Yeah, right. Right. Did you find yourself in that same situation as you were going to school and learning this stuff? Um, it was like you just had to figure it out? So I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna say at home, definitely not. Um, I was very lucky um, from the very beginning. My mom has pictures of me two years old trying to help my dad fix the washer because I'm sure I was uh -huh. a great help. So I, I, <laughs> I showed interest in that, Yeah. but I was never told, you're a girl, you can't help me with fix it. Go see your, go see go your mom. Go help your mom. Uh -huh. um, I was, it was like, yeah. Here's a wrench. See if you can take that off. Yeah. Uh, oh, your car needs new brakes. Guess what? You get to change them. Let's go. You're going to get your hands a little bit dirty. Um, so I was very lucky that way. Yeah. That um, There weren't these gender-specific jobs yeah. in your family. And and then, um, and I, my education, I'm solely speaking to ISU because that's where I got my education um, and the civil engineering department. But um, no, it was never a, well, you're struggling with this problem because you're a female or you're, it was a, yeah, this is a tough problem. Let's get into it and see what's going yeah, on. Good. So I, that, that change is coming, but at the same time, I, I still, I still see it. And I do feel that I've been super lucky because I know 
other people face those challenges. So you talked about working with youth in STEM. Talk to me a little bit about what are you doing in the community then to promote the STEM fields and, and promote awareness? So um, the thing that's nearest and dearest to my heart and that I always say is better than Christmas is math counts. I'm the coordinator for the Southeast Idaho Math Counts competition. It's a national-wide competition. It's a one-of-a-kind competition that recognizes kids for excelling at math. We play a little, there's a little play on words and we call the students mathletes. And that's because athletes get all kinds of recognition. Um, you, during the school year, you cannot open the newspaper without seeing it talk about students who are excelling at um, football or softball and soccer. Um, but a lot of these same students and more students um, are excelling at math and are competing in the robotics competition and won awards at the Science Olympiad. And we need to be recognizing these kids just as much because the opportunity to become a professional sports player um, are way low. lower than <laughs> to be able to go into a career that requires math and science. Yeah, right. Um, and so you can recognize them and then they just want to excel further and learn further. And one thing that's important for parents um, to know is you're gonna save a lot of college money if you recognize this early and you have those kids making sure they're taking those AP classes and getting those dual enrollment credits, right, especially right. here in Idaho. Right. Um, so math counts is once a year in February. The students, um, Southeast Idaho is any area code with, that starts with 834 or 832 for 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. Um, we average about 20 schools a year that participate in ours. Um, it's an all-day Saturday. Um, we like to spoil them. Breakfast, cookies, lunch. We always have an awesome swag bag for them. We play a game um, that we've coined Heard the Nerd. So their responsibility is to talk to different people in STEM fields and find out how they use math in their fields. Um, they and take, do they do that at the competition? Yeah, there during the there? competition. Uh -huh. yeah. It's really fun. There's yeah. prizes after they hand yeah, in their sheets. Um, they have their written exams. And they have um, the final round is a fast-paced oral head-to-head -head competition. Um, they have 60 seconds to answer a question that they answer before I can even finish reading the question. It's awesome. That's amazing. And then we celebrate them. Yeah. Um, everybody there gets recognized, and it, we make sure they know that just the fact that they are there is a su success. Mm -hmm. um, trophies, How do they awards. get there? Is it just by showing interest, or do they have to pass some sort of aptitude? So it's up to the schools. Some schools are small enough that they get to. we can only accept 10. Oh, okay. Um, and that's Got a it. national foundation. So the school decides these 10 are going to go. Yep, and sometimes they do that by their own competitions, and sometimes it's like 10 have showed interest. These 10 are um, showing up um, every time they're supposed to be, so they get, to, you yeah, know, they're consistent, right, they right. get to be there. Um, and then, uh, the, of course, it's a math equation to decide who gets to go. A percentage of participants get to go to the state competition, and then the top four from the state competition get to go to the national competition, which happened last weekend. Wow. And are you involved in those national competitions at all, being the representative from? I don't. I haven't gone to a national competition. I participate at the state competition um, as a volunteer, which is 
kind of nice because even though my role here is a volunteer as well, I'm super busy and then right. in there I have less responsibilities. And you so kind of fun. enjoy it. Yes, yeah, exactly. I, I love it. It's, it's a fun, fun day. That's great. Um, so that's obviously I could, we could do a whole podcast on we that. Could. I love it. Yes. Um, and then I have always supported the ISU STEM day. Um, they are doing that twice a year now and I get to go do hands-on activities with kids that, um, show them how math and science relates to engineering. Cause I don't think they always, um, when you are solving problems in your math class, um, you're not always seeing like, how can I apply that in right. real life? Right. It's a very big disadvantage for my son. He can never say, when am I ever gonna use that equation? Cause I could usually give him <laughs> an um, example of when he will. Look at that wall. Here's how you're gonna, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and so I, I love that day. Um, and then I've helped the Center for New Directions, which I'm very grateful to them and how they got my start in engineering. Um, they have what used to be a women and, works con con women and Work Conference and has transitioned to Supergirl STEM Day. Um, I've been the keynote speaker for them a couple of times, which um, I love it because I love to be able to tell girls you can do anything that you want yeah. and nothing is easy but you can do it. Yeah. Um, and then um, I've sat on the panel um, for several different STEM things through ISU and got to meet teachers and then had the opportunity to go to classrooms and do um, hands-on activities with the kids and teach them. And I have a plethora of different activities I can do from kindergartner, kindergarten age and make it apply clear up to high school age and do, um, you know, more age appropriate yeah. activities with them. And Fine. I, I, I'm a little torn because I feel like if I didn't stay in the engineering field that I wouldn't be current and active keeping those engineering skills so that I can be sure to apply them to the, um, but I enjoy doing it so much that sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to do outreach all day. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you're definitely involved trying to move that needle so that more people understand what those fields offer and that we can do it. You know, and like I said, that I wasn't sure what engineering was first when it was first brought up, that um, just to make sure people are educated yeah. about what their options are, yeah. whether it be engineering or or technical or whatever field they want to go in, they need to know their options. Yeah. You know, I saw something uh, just recently about cybersecurity and how there's going to be thousands of jobs available in cybersecurity. And, you know, I think that's another sometimes technology doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily promoted for everybody. And so just like you're doing the education to get things out there. And this is really a great field and you have the opportunity just like anybody else. So thank you. That's great. So you mentioned um, your son. Did you have two children? Is two, that right? Two. And so did either of them go into a STEM field, or, or maybe they're not old enough to do that? Yeah, my son is currently a mechanical engineering student okay. at ISU. Okay, great. Um, and my daughter just um, finished school and recently got licensed as an esthetician. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's so way we've fun got both. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is aesthetics is exactly where she needs to be. Mm -hmm. It is um, right up her alley. But when she was younger, she would, um, she didn't like math and she would say 
I can't do it. I can't understand. And it was funny because it was like, um, you have an engineer and my husband now is an engineer. I'm like, you have two engineers and your brother who's an engineering student and you think that's going to be a good excuse that you don't understand. <laughs> but the funny thing was is that she could. She could get it done and yeah. she got it. She just didn't like she didn't it. She didn't love it, yeah. And so that's, that's where you need to know that you draw the line is don't say you can't do it. You can do it. Um, it's just a matter of I'm going to learn enough that it gets me um, to what I need to do, which yeah. is just like why I practice spelling. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to understand it. And, you know, you have that basic understanding. And then, so I appreciate that so much because I also believe we have to be passionate about what we decide to do. Um, and we can force a square peg into a round hole, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be, that's going to work. Um, or be comfortable. Or be comfortable. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So talk to me about how your family has supported you pursuing this career. It sounds like, I don't know how old your kids were when you went back to work or back to school, but clearly it affected their life. So they were young. One of them wasn't in school and one of them was just starting so they were little. Um, kindergarten. Um, so I think it kind of just became a, a that way, was their of, norm. way of life and they yeah. didn't think. And it's funny because... Um, you don't, like to me, they're typical kids. You never tell your parents how much you like them. Um, but I've heard from several other people like, oh, they said that you're the best civil engineer in town. And I'm like, mm, you might want to take that through the filter. But you know what I mean? So um, They're proud of you. Yeah, I, th uh -huh. I think they are. And, and in return, I'm very, very proud of them. Um, and... That, that they're continuing their education and that they're reaching their goals and that they're not letting anybody stop them do that. And I think even though I said I don't want them to ask for anything, it wasn't about, um, it wasn't necessarily about money or anything that they could, not tangible items, but um, to be successful in their lives and be the best that they could be mm -hmm. and that they're that you're going to face roadblocks But you get past those and to have that confidence right to yeah. be able to see that they have the capability. Yeah, it's awesome So talking a little bit about that. Have you had self-doubts about the work you're doing and the position you hold and You know, maybe I don't know this but I know for myself imposter syndrome a little bit like somebody's gonna figure out I don't know what I'm doing. Have you been there in your head? Um, I think because there is a stereotype about the, uh, out there that women aren't allowed in, in certain fields, and I think, um, as we've been talking, men in nursing maybe feel the same way, that there's definitely the imposter syndrome that has gone on. Um, and the more that I've read about that and the more um, that I see more super successful, awesome girls coming into STEM fields, um, that I just talk myself down from that ledge, yeah. you know, because um, there's times. Um, and and what, when you say that, what do you mean? Like, do you actually say, look, this is a false belief. Like, I, I, I have proven that I know this stuff. When I look at what I've done, here's all this experience that I have. I know I can do it. Like, is that the kind of talk you do? Or when you say you I think talk it, yourself back? What it comes it? back. It, I think it comes down to more specific things that I have a challenging project and I'm not sure how I'm gonna handle it. Um, I've done the calculations, there's something on paper, somebody asked me a question, and then I think, oh, oh 
Well, I can't answer that question, but I've done these calculations, so I should be able to answer the question, oh, maybe I'm not good enough Start to be freaking an engineer. Yourself out. Maybe I'm not smart enough, and then I have to be like, no. It's okay because you don't know the answer, but you need you know where to find the answer. Like listen yeah. to yourself talk. So yeah. um, I think, and I think that's I don't I think in that situation it's never a big picture. It's always one little instance that makes you have the self doubt. Yeah, it's true because then I, all of a sudden you're like you have that panicky. At least I can speak for myself. I have that panicky kind of oh crap I should know this, but I I really appreciate that advice. Just step yourself back and be like, I do know this. I just have to do a little research and then I can get you a confident answer. So that's great. Um, so what do you believe has been one of your biggest challenges you've had to overcome to achieve your goals? I'm, as much as we've been talking about um, being a female in a male-dominated role, I'm going to have to say that my biggest challenge is getting out of a domestic violence, a domestic violent um, relationship. Um, I think this is going to be another soapbox for me, but I think um, there's so much knowledge about that that needs to be spread as well. Um, there's a stereotype about um, who the victims are, um, and it really can be anybody, and it could be men or women. Yeah. Um, but they, it's not, um, an anger management issue. Um, it's a control issue. And then even, uh, even somebody myself, who is obviously not somebody who's really passive, right, you know, right. um, I was able, I, they were able to get that control over me to make me be more of a passive person, to make me think I wasn't anything. So, so, not, so coming back from that, recovering from that, and really realizing that I wasn't all those things that they said I was, and that I really could go on without them. I didn't, I didn't need them. Um, and, um, you know, I talked about it briefly, like, oh, yes, I got um, divorced it was, and I moved, moved on, on yeah. but there was a lot in those years. There were no contact orders. There were no contact order violations. Um, there were some very, very scary moments. That's the scariest time when you're not, when you're out of the relationship and you don't know where you're at in that domestic violence cycle. Um, so I just have to say that I'm proud of myself for um, getting the counseling and education that I needed, getting it for my kids as well, and also, violence is a learned behavior. And that, and then learning the cycle where it came from and that it was, it was a history um, in the past and that that cycle was gonna stop with my kids. Yeah. Um, neither of my kids were gonna be abusers and neither of my kids were gonna be victims. Mm -hmm. um, I want it, so, so I think that is gonna be the biggest challenge. Um, Do and you think that that's what drove you? So here you, you've gone through all of this emotional, I mean, like you said, after you divorced him, it wasn't over. Like you still had all of this stuff that you were navigating yourself. Do you, do you think that's kind of what drove you to believe that you could, could do this? Because I imagine had I been in that same situation, my self-esteem would have been kind of at a low around what I could accomplish. 
So who did you think you were to be able to look at engineering and say, yeah, I can totally do this? So I think I surrounded myself with the correct people. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate. My, um, from the day I started dating uh, my kids' father, um, my parents didn't like him. They didn't want um, any part of that. Um, and from the day I said, here's what's going on. We are not safe. I need to leave. There was never once, and I told you so, Yeah. never once, there was a, we are here to support you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there, with domestic violence, well, why didn't she just leave him? Oh, why doesn't he just quit dealing with that? Why don't, um, so that's supportive. And then, um, like I said, they're counseling, um, domestic violence, Victim Advocates uh, Family Service Alliance was instrumental in me be turning from a victim to a survivor. Mm -hmm. Because so, you saw, like, people who have gone through this and they kind of helped you have a perspective. As they have support groups. They have so much for you. And you need to take advantage of those things. They're there for a reason. And yeah. I would say that for any situation that you're in, um, I, would, I would like to say that if you People think you're weak if you reach out and get that help. And I have to say you're strong if you reach out and get that help. It's there for a reason. Go and get it. Yeah. So I think that I surrounded myself with the right people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it was a conscious choice, but I can look back and be like, it was a very good choice. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, you were directed that way. And yeah. look at you today. No, oh, thank you. It's so great. Okay, so I understand that you're also very active in your community, not just with STEM and, and with domestic violence, but maybe in other things. Tell us about what you're doing to give back and educate others and all the other stuff that you're doing. Um, so there's a lot of, um, I've teamed with the um, Domestic Violence Task Force with the city of Pocatello and their advocate, and we go and speak to middle school students about domestic violence. Um, it seems like a very tough subject, but we put it in terms of healthy and unhealthy relationships. Um, and teaching them how it goes, um, maybe not just domestic, which you know you, most people think about um, an intimate relationship, but parents, school students, um, school, other students. Um, and so I love doing that. I've helped um, FSA, I've helped Janice e. Anderson Center, with any domestic violence education outreach that they do. Um, obviously lots of STEM reach, outreach. Um, any teacher that listens to this, yes, I'd love to come to your school. <laughs> um, and then I had the opportunity to be in the Leadership Pocatello Chubbuck program, which is um, part of the Chamber of Commerce. Being born and raised here, I'm so glad I did that because it gave me the opportunity to learn so much more about this community and how awesome it is. And learning that, I've continued to um, to be involved in that. I got the opportunity to be a facilitator. I just um, am recently finishing up the first year of a LEAP program, which is a leadership program for high school students here. Um, we have our first graduates. We're doing a graduation party next um, Tuesday. But is that be, also through the chamber? It is. Uh -huh. So to be able to teach um, local students how great our community is 
which means we're keeping them here, you know? Yeah, you absolutely. all, You know everybody is talking about wanting to leave Pocatello, and we need to teach them about why it's awesome yeah, to, it's stay to stay here. Mm -hmm. Southeast Idaho in general. Um, so that's been exciting. Um, I am on the board and am helping as the logistics coordinator for Kind Community. Um, kind Community, I guess, would have to be second on my list from STEM stuff for stuff that I love to do. Um, it was started by two local mothers, and I think the greatest thing is they don't focus on what not to be, they focus on what to be. Um, we don't want to focus about bullying, don't be a bully, we want to focus on be kind and here's why. Uh -huh. yeah. um, and the program, um, while we go out to the local schools and our kickoff event is a family-friendly event, I think what's key is um, we need to set the example on what being kind is. Yeah, we can't sure. judge as, a book by its adults. cover. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. We don't know what's going on on the inside that is making somebody act a certain way. So um, definitely important. Kind, so kind community is on that list. Um, I was recently got the honor of being inducted as a Pocatello chief. And so I love being able to go out into the community and recognize new businesses that are starting, um, welcome new people to our community, and teach people about everything awesome that we have going on. And Tell me sure what a Pocatello Chief is. Like, how do you get that? So um, that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and maybe we'll do some research on the internet before we do. Um, so the Pocatello Chiefs um, are nominated and then voted in. Okay. And um, I'm sure you've seen uh, the maroon vests with the beautiful um, Pocatello Chief photo on them. Yeah. Um, and um, we do a lot of ribbon cuttings for new businesses. So you're kind of like the welcome committee. Welcome committee. Uh -huh. That's what I would call us. And um, promotion committee to uh -huh. say, hey, look at all this awesome stuff we have in our community. Make sure you're taking advantage of it. Oh, got it. Support local. Yeah, I love it. Isn't that fun that Pocatello does that? I love that. Okay, anything else? I'm sure there is, um, <laughs> but they're related to STEM kind or the community, so. Okay, great. Well, thank you for all of your service in the community. Definitely, you're a great example of getting the word out there and living it. So thank you. it's awesome. So tell me, um, I wanna, I, I wanna kind of ha have an understanding about some of the projects that you have done in the Pocatello area. Where would we have seen your involvement in some of the work here? Like, is there something you're working on now that you're excited about? Yes. So a lot of the work we do um, is industrial, so it's privileged and confidential. Um, and I honestly think sharing the details of it would be boring to people, even <laughs> though I find it in interesting. You would be so um, excited. Yeah. But the projects that we have got to work on that you are definitely going to see or have seen, I was the lead design engineer for Portner Wellness Complex. Okay. That is one of the projects that I thought was going to be uh, the project of my lifetime. Um, it was an awesome project. Anybody who had any um, responsibility involved in that project took it as their own. It, everybody was like, it's our project. Uh -huh. um, everybody put their heart into that. Yeah. Most of the stuff that we did is underground, and you don't get to see it. But very um, important. Very important. We make sure that when the toilets flush, the stuff goes bye-bye, yeah, that, that you can use good. the drinking fountain. Um, and uh, the most challenging task, I think, with that project is making the amphitheater ADA accessible. Oh, yeah. Um, and 
We got to help with the bridge and the supports for the bridge. Um, the dam design um, was um, an engineer in our office was the engineer of record on that dam design, which is something that I don't think people realize the detail behind that. And it was a great learning experience for me to um, work alongside him. And I say alongside him because he is one of the guys that would never let me say work under him. Um, and all I got to learn on that. So a uh, huge scale project. It turned out beautiful. And I was so happy that A&E got to be a part of that. Yeah, that is. Um, but the most exciting project I'm working on right now is the new I for Idaho State. Oh, good. I think it's exciting to me because I'm an ISU alum. And I was born and raised in Pocatello. And so I saw so the eye on I, the hill. And then you saw it go away. Yeah. So um, I got to do the preliminary engineering for that. Um, and every time I say I, I say uh, I should be saying we because um, uh, instrumental people in our office helping um, complete the model and make sure that it was going to be able to um, withstand everything it needed to be withstand. Because it was, it was removed because of erosion. Erosion. So you um, guys are warding against, we're going to do this again, but we're going to make sure that we're never going to have to remove uh, it due to erosion. Right. And of course, you know, I'm... Um, uh, totally on our side on this, but I think we've come up with an awesome idea to help prevent that erosion, keep it from happening, and keep the ice stable so it could be um, an icon on the of, hill. Is that a risk for every letter on every hill in pretty much because it's at that angle and it can just erode? Or is it because of the particular angle of It completely depends on the environment uh -huh. and the amount of precipitation that they're going to get in a year and what kind of soils they're dealing with. Got so. It. It varies everywhere. Um, it depends on what it was built out of. Um, I think they, in particular, were facing extreme challenges in, the, in, in that location. So Because of the dirt, because of the soil and the angle yeah. and everything that yep. they're having to deal with. So. Is it going back in the same place? Is it going back in on the mm -hmm. same area? It's not. Um, and we would love to have had it back in the same place, but it just can't be done. Just can't. Okay. Um, I would not feel comfortable doing any kind of a design, putting it back in the exact same place safety-wise. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're putting it on the hill just a little bit higher. Okay. Yeah. Great. And is it, this is just me not knowing anything about letters on hills, but is it concrete? Is that what No. It's so the original one was... Um, the history behind the eye is awesome, so something you should look into, everybody should look into. Um, but the, the one that they took down was, was concrete. Knowing exactly, we don't know because there were so many repairs and uh -huh. there are stories about chicken wire and plaster <laughs> so and putting more concrete was that, on first. top of that. It was hard to be like, what is even the original size? How much paint is on this? Yeah. Um, so... Um, some are concrete. Um, this one in particular is going to have a steel frame with um, a, it, you say plastic and it seems like it's flimsy, but it's very durable. It's fiber reinforced plastic grating. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be, and it comes in all different colors. So, so it doesn't have to be painted? Nope. Ah, uh -huh. that's great. It yeah. doesn't fade. Nope, it's, yeah. it's chemical resistant. It's going to be it's a great. great, yeah. So, so I'm cool. excited and I'm excited to have uh, President Satterley at ISU because he's all on board about yeah. getting this eye back on the hill. It seems like he was the driver of all of this in the beginning. Was he? I'm going to say 
he's the one that made made the dream come true for the drivers. The Got alumni it. board has been pushing for this. They want it back. Um, I think they've gone through 10 different committees. So he was the one that was like, yes, it, it is important for ISU and the university to have yeah. it up there. Yeah. How fun. Well, that's yeah, a great that project. Fun. That's good. Well, we'll be excited to see that come back. So when will it be back? So I... I've heard this through the grapevine, but I think the goal is to have it up by the time um, homecoming is there and this to be year. able to do a, a, a ribbon cutting. So fast-paced project. Yay. Those are the funnest. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so what advice would you give to somebody considering leadership in their company or self-employment? Maybe it was some of the best advice you were given. What would you say to others? I would say the best advice is you don't know any everything. Um that it's being a leader is really about having the people behind you to make things happen um, and that continue continuing education continuing to have the reminders you need those reminders is what's most important um, i think they're not skills that you come with naturally leadership skills. So I think it's more about um, learning those skills and making sure you're perfecting those skills. And that um, as a leader, if your team's not happy, nobody's happy. It's not about the leader being happy. Yeah. Um, so education, I think, is what's, what's most important. And finding um, those mentors and those groups that are out there that are going to help you to learn because everybody can give their own little bit to, to any situation. And so um, finding those groups and participating. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with the right people again. I love that you said mentors because so often, I mean, that's really what has made any of us successful. It's not, you know, we're not, nobody naturally comes by this stuff. It's good to surround yourself with people who can be examples. And learning, I think like, okay, now it's my turn as well and I need to yeah. be a mentor for yeah. some, somebody. And when I think back about my mentors, what kind of mentor do I want to be for this person? Yeah, it's good. Well, Crystal, I want to thank you so much for your interview today. Uh, your life journey is one of inspiration to take on hard things and persevere to achieve your goals, even in light of some pretty big barriers and struggles. Uh, it is a message that we all need to hear especially as business owners from time to time. So thank you for your involvement in the community. And we look forward to the ISUI coming back. And thanks for your involvement there. Um, as a reminder, East Idaho Entrepreneurs is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair, located in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. If you'd like to experience honest automotive repair and excellent customer service, please visit us in Idaho Falls or Rexburg. And our family looks forward to taking care of your family. Now stay tuned for the Business Leadership Moment. It's now time for a business leadership moment on East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the business leadership moment. This segment is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho business conference that's held every November. It also has a sister event called RiseX, and RiseX is offered monthly. It's an executive networking event, and it's offered in Idaho Falls and now in Pocatello. So if you're interested in either of these events, please check them out at www.risecon.com, and don't forget that Rise is spelled with a Z. 
Um, So today I wanted to talk with you about a particular subject that I think is really worth our time to ponder and define for ourselves, and that is called our definition of success. So what does success look like to you? And maybe when I said that, you were like, oh, when I have money in the bank, that's what success looks like to me. And that's okay. Success is whatever you define it to be. Nobody tells you what it is. Although oftentimes I think that we have lived lives where somebody else has defined our success and we have not done that for ourselves. Um, And that's not very empowering when we do that. Uh, We find ourselves in jobs and living in places and having lives that we didn't really choose. um, And we wonder what happened. And it's because we didn't self-empower and take the opportunity to define our success for ourselves. So if you haven't ever thought about it, it's the time to sit back and think about what does success look like for you? Uh, I might just say success is not singular to a job. So if another thing that went through your head is uh, success is owning my own business, that very well could be true. Um, success could also be working for somebody. Success could be, um, success is not a job. So if you think, and in my particular circumstance, success is me being a nurse. Well, of course I have a degree and I wanted to be a nurse, but I, I have to identify what it is that nursing provides for me. And that's really what success is about because the job could leave I could lose my license. And then how would I define success if it's based around that particular job? That's a problem. And I think that we kind of can get caught up in the fact that we look at it as maybe a job um, that will give us success, but it's really a state of being. It's not necessarily uh, a goal. Sometimes we think about, well, when I reach a certain goal, that will be success. Well, a goal sometimes can be accomplished and then it's done. You accomplish a goal and then you move on to another goal. Uh, a definition of success is really a state of being. So it doesn't go away once you've achieved it. It is the state of being that you're living in. So let me give you an example. When I think about what my definition of success is, uh, I wrote down a few things that I really love to do. So think about the things that you've done with passion and dedication. Um, You knew what you wanted. You went for it. It energized you. Think about some of the things that you've done, that that's been the case in your life. So so a few of the things like that for me, I I love to teach. I love to be able to be in an environment where I can share my knowledge and people are listening and, and they're getting it. I love it so much. I love to mentor others. I love to be in an environment where I can teach people and mentor them and bring them along so that they can achieve their own goals and grow in whatever uh, aspect of their lives that they're wanting to grow in. Um, I love to help change mindsets. So in all of that, if I help give them a different way of looking at something, that gives me a lot of energy and I love it. And I love learning new things that I can apply to my own life. Um, Those are some of the things that I define as, you know, that light me up and that I really enjoy. So when I write those down, I think about them, it helps me shape what my definition of success is. If I am able to be in an environment where I can teach and mentor others, help them grow, and in the same time, I'm also growing, it checks off many boxes of what I feel is valuable, what brings me joy. Um, So I need to look to surround myself 
uh, with an environment of where that can happen. And you can have different definitions of success for different areas in your life. So one might be for work and what might be for your personal and one might be for your health and one might be for your finances. Um, but take the time to sit down and really think about what it, what is your definition of success? Um, when you think about maybe in your life you've worked with people or you've had people work for you that are miserable and they hate their job, I would dare say that they are not living their definition of success. Um, if their definition of success is to um, make a whole lot of money and be able to travel and they drag their butts into your job every day and they're grumpy, um, there's a there's an incongruency there. Uh, their their blueprint, their life blueprint is not um, what their actual circumstances are. And it's the same thing when we think about defining success. So what is it that will that is congruent with me that brings me joy? Um, so if you take some time, sit down and kind of think about what what do you define as being successful? Write your definition of success, write it down and take a look at it and revisit it. It can change as your life circumstances change. Your definition of success can absolutely change, but it's something that should be guiding, um, guiding you in the life that you want. And you can shape your jobs around whatever that definition of success is, but it helps you decide whether that particular career or job or um, business, however that looks, is going to be able to meet that definition of success for you. So I hope this gives you something to think about as you're con as you're considering uh, your own personal satisfaction in your life and in your job. Um, where's your head? What is it that brings you joy? Are you living your definition of success? If you don't know what your definition of success is, define it before somebody else does, because I promise somebody else will for you, and then you'll wonder how you got where you were at. So take the time to find your, um, make your definition of success and go and create the life that you want. All right. Have a great week and we'll see you here next week. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair for all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho. Let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.